everybody doing today? My name is Christian Wagner and I'm the Militant Thomist. So today I'm going to be starting a series on the life of Pope St. Pius X. So uh, I've just been feeling a particular devotion to, to the good Thomistic Pope. I think it's particularly fitting because, as I said, he was a very strong Thomist. He kind of completed and perfected what Pope Leo XIII started in the Leonine revival of Thomism. So I figured that I would just go over his life a little bit. This will be in a series of probably like 10 videos. It, it, they'll only be like 10, 15 minutes each. Just going over some of his story, kind of more chill. Um, just letting you know what he did, who he was, and why he's an amazing Pope. And maybe after that, I'll go over some of his encyclicals. I think that would be fun, especially those that have to do with St. Thomas, because as I said, he was a very, very strong Thomist, and he did a lot for the glory and honor of the angelic doctor. But before that, if you enjoy what I'm doing and would like more resources, videos, PDFs, articles, and everything, including extra things in the Discord, then go to patreon.com slash militant Thomas to become a patron of any amount. And then also you can go to the bookstore at christianbwagner.com slash shop. And you can get uh, books that I have reprinted and also the militant Thomas mug, which I never keep on my desk. So I can't show you it. And then also I know you out there, you have lost your Greek. You are probably sucking at Greek right now. So if you want to actually learn Greek the right way, in according to the natural method, which is it's very smooth and easy, then check out Fluent Greek. And you can go there at fluentgreeknt.com and use the code militant for 20% off. So I'm going to get right into the good Pope's life. So he was born June 2nd, 1885, and he was the oldest of eight surviving children of Giovanni Battista Sarto, who was the postmaster of his city, of town. It's, he wasn't really born in a city, and his wife, Margarita, and his birth name was Giuseppe Melchior Sarto, and that's the only time I'll say that in this whole series. I'm just going to call him Pius. So his parents growing up were extremely poor. He did not come from money, extremely small town in uh, the Venetian plains. And but they were very pious. He had very pious parents. So from a very young age, he was extraordinarily brilliant. Everybody saw that he was a very bright kid and he did very well in school. He mastered all the subjects 
uh, at his village school from the age of 11. But he was also said to be a bit rambunctious. There's actually a story that I read in one of the sources where uh, when he was made Pope, somebody from his home village kind of flipped out and said, uh, how did uh, Giuseppe become Pope? He used to steal a lot of my cherries. So he, from a young age, used to like to steal people's cherries. But uh, that's about his only fault from from his young age because he was extremely uh brilliant so when he was a kid he used to serve at uh, his local parish as an acolyte he served mass daily uh back in back in the days when uh kids just went to mass daily that must have been a wonderful world and he kind of became the de facto leader of all of the groups of acolytes and used to help at uh help at the masses on a daily basis so near his home, there was a chapel to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he would go there all the time to pray. And from a young age, he built a very strong devotion to Our Lady. And it was during this time of uh, serving daily at Mass, um, building his devotion to Our Lady, and, and such like that, that he discerned a vocation to the priesthood. So when he was 10 years old, uh, during his catechumenate, uh, after, because what after you're baptized uh, and before you receive first communion you need to uh take catechism classes it was it was said by his priest that he was very zealous for catechism class he'd show up uh every time they had it he would ask questions all the time he seemed just very interested in the uh, things of god from a very young age so it was around this time that there was a man named Don Luigi, who was one of the local villagers. And as I said, yes, it was a village. He was, this was an extremely small town that he was from, an extremely poor place. And he had like a local farm and everything. It was, it was definitely country living for him. So this guy named Don Luigi, he had actually been educated and began to notice that Pius from a very young age was extremely bright and that he was basically smarter than all the other kids in his village. So Don Luigi taught him Latin so that he could go to grammar school, which was the basically, um, I don't know how to, I guess it's like a, our middle school, high school uh, would be grammar school. That's where they learn all the rudiments of uh, grammar. And after he had finished learning Latin, he went to grammar school in Castelfranco. And this was a bit of a different environment from where Pius had grown up in. There was a cathedral there, and he would go to the cathedral all the time while he was in school to pray. There was there was Renaissance art there. It was a very different environment from where he grew up in, in his small village. But his grammar school was four miles from his house, and since his parents were very poor, he would. It, it was said that he would just grab a, a loaf of bread for the day. I guess that's what they used to used to send their kids off with, and he would just walk four miles to his school. But eventually, I think it was after his second or third year in grammar school, he, uh, his dad got a little bit more money. He, they began to do a little bit better financially. So he got upgraded from walking to school to going to school in a donkey cart, which is, which is very interesting. So overall, it, would, it was said that he was a very good kid, um, except for his uh, cherry-stealing endeavors. And he would help around the farm that he grew up on and that he would help his mother with his younger siblings because he was the oldest of eight. 
Now, uh, at school, he was also extremely, extremely bright, and he graduated first in his class. So since he was discerning a vocation of the priesthood, the diocese uh, had him take the diocesan exams for seminary, and he was the he was the first, uh, he, he got first in his whole diocese. And I don't know how they know that, but uh, I guess uh, after the exams, they would just tell everybody what place they got in the diocese. But he was, he was definitely uh, extremely brilliant from, from a very, very young age. But on the other hand, as, as we had said, even though his dad was doing a bit better financially, they were still extremely, extremely poor. So his parents could not afford seminary for him. So his parish priest decided that uh, Pius really, really needed to go to seminary, that he had a very bright future. So Pius, Pius's priest decided to beg the prefect of the seminary to help Pius out. And the prefect of the seminary checked Pius out and saw that he had been number one in the diocesan exams. So the prefect of the seminary decided to uh, decided it couldn't hurt. So he passed on the message to the Patriarch of Venice. Well, would you know, the Patriarch of Venice, uh, Cardinal Jacopo Monico, he happened to be from the same exact village that Pius was from, who would have known. And his dad was also very poor. So Minoko had uh, had pity on, on poor little Pius and realized that he was an extremely bright kid. So he gave Pius a full scholarship to the seminary to study. So at this time, Pius was 15 years old. And um, and he got the letter from the Patriarch of Venice. And actually, he he put in a personal note for Pius to uh, encouraging him. And his his father was extremely excited because, as I said, his parents were extremely devout people. So the fact that one of his sons was actually going to be a priest was an extremely exciting thing for him. But Pius, on the other hand, he uh, it, it freaked him out a little bit because he actually had never in his entire life been more than four miles away from the place he grew up in because he that's just how it was in 1850s uh, Italy. You, you just didn't go far away from your house if you were a poor kid. But he just packed up everything in that donkey cart. He grabbed a loaf of bread, and then he went on his way to Padua. So uh, his seminary was in Padua, and Padua is actually an extremely just glorious city. The basilica there was uh, designed by Michelangelo himself. It had the University of Padua, which was, uh, I think, made in the 13th or 14th century. So a very nice city, definitely not where where he was used to growing up. So the seminary there was built in the late 16th century, and it had just a huge library. And there was also the library of the medieval University of Padua that I mentioned that was nearby. And this was the first time in Pius's entire life that he had actually seen a library. He had, he had never seen a big collection of books in his entire life. So this was a, this was a bit crazy for for Pius, which is which is a bit weird to think about because even his grammar school was so tiny that it didn't even have a library. So I don't know how they how they taught the kids, but I guess um, I guess the professors just the teachers just memorized all their lectures or something like that. I have no idea. So the superiors at seminary just loved Pius. Pius was just one of the favorites of the school. He, they said that he was great to be around, that he had a great personality, that he was just an extremely good student. Again, he was number one in his class at seminary too.
And they had noticed that uh, that he had a very good industry. He had, he had a good industry, as they described, which means that he was just extremely disciplined. Uh, they said that he had a very severe discipline, that he he would not uh, let himself have a minute to rest, that he was just all the time working and trying to uh, make the best out of his seminary education. And another thing at this time that was noted, and again, he's a he's a 15-year-old kid, they noticed that he was very zealous when it came to obedience to his superiors. This is going to be very important for later in the life of Pius, where he uh, that was something that was said over and over again throughout his life, that he was just a very obedient son of the church. And this came through in his, his encyclicals, too. He said, um, in order to command, it is necessary to have learned to obey. So after his first year in seminary, he he came back for his first break. And there's a story about him. It was said that when he came back from from seminary for his first first break as as a 16 year old kid, all he did the entire time was study. He, he brought back some books and he just read the whole time and talked with his local parish priest about the things of God. He was he was really an amazing, amazing person, even from such a young age. So then he went back to seminary for his second year after his break. And during this time, he had a few tragedies that happened. So in, in his second year, his father had died, leaving his mother alone to tend for his seven younger siblings. So he decided that he wanted to quit seminary, go home and then work and take care of his mother. But his mother refused and forced him to stay at seminary and told him that, look, but you're, you're going to seminary. I'll starve rather than taking you out. And then his younger siblings. So, I mean, these were 14, uh, 14, 13, 12 year old kids. His, his younger siblings went to work and helped take care of his mother. And then a second tragedy happened and his village priest, who was a very close friend and very important mentor to him, got recalled from his post due to failing health. So his priest wasn't around anymore during his second year, too. So he didn't have that to look forward to when he came back from his breaks. And then the next priest who took the job, uh, Don Pietro Jacuzzi, he was a very amazing priest uh, and he would exert a lot of influence on the future ministry of Pius. He was he was a very good example. And then also he had a very strong interest in music. So this strong interest in sacred music would be very influential for Pius and his ministry. He he actually wrote, I think it's two or three encyclicals on sacred music. So that was something that was very important for, for Pius. But uh, a third tragedy happens and uh, Don Pietro Jacuzzi got recalled again, after just, just one year. Um, not that he was doing anything wrong. I don't know why Rome just, just does that, I guess, just recalls priests. And um, they had to get a third priest. And I haven't been able to find the source for uh, this third priest's name, but it, it makes sense that they didn't name him because this guy was just a horrible, horrible priest. Like everybody hated him. He was lazy. He was rude. It's actually said that um, one Sunday he was he preached from the pulpit that he hated um, having to having to um, go and be near dying people or go and visit sick pe sick people. He would just rather stay back and uh, and, and just hang out at the at the parish. It, he was just a very terrible priest. But even with this terrible priest, Pius kept up that 
kept up that um, disposition of obedience that he had, and he refused to speak ill of him to others. So another interesting story is that when I think he was 16 or 17 at this time, what uh, he would have been 17 at this time, when he came back from, from seminary for another break, uh, I mean, you have the, the only seminarian in town. So people would, would try to go up to him and talk bad about, about the priest, the new priest in town, but but Pius, he would go back home and hide. In, he would hide in his house so he wouldn't have to be around people speaking bad of the priest and to be tempted to uh, to speak bad of the priest. So he, he definitely cultivated very strong virtues from, from a young age. So, so going forward another three years to when he was 20 years old, he at this time was very well distinguished at the, as the best student at the seminary in Padua. So he was given a private room so that he could study even more. And he spent all of his free time studying the fathers and sacred scripture. And then in this time, his love for sacred music was cultivated even more. And he was put in charge of music for many of the feast days. So on the tw- on February 27th of this year, he was, when he was 20, he was ordained a subdeacon in the cathedral of Treviso, and it was on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. So they decided since he was a subdeacon now, and um, I'm, not so sh- I'm not sure about this, but it said that he went back to his hometown to preach, and I- I'm not sure whether subdeacons were even allowed to preach, but I guess they were. So he, maybe it was just more of a general uh, sort of exhortation. So he gave a homily on the Sacred Heart, and everybody in his home village just went absolutely nuts. They were just raving about how amazing of a of, of a preacher that the young Pius was, and it was just so eloquent and so deep, and everybody just just loved Pius. It was there was there was nobody speaking bad about Pius except the whole cherry stealing episode. So in August of 1858, Pius finally finished his seminary studies, and he was apparently the best seminary student in the seminary's history. Like I was reading one source, and this was from, I think it was written in the 50s or 60s, but it is said that the professors at the seminary would still go back in the, this was 100 years after the seminary professors would still go back in the books of if the history of all the students and just rant and rave about how great of a student Pius must have been because he got honors in every single one of his subjects from, from the first year to his seventh year. But since he was only 23 years old, he was still too young to be ordained to the priesthood. But since he was just so amazing, his bishop uh, wrote to Rome and got a dispensation for Pius to be ordained to the priesthood. And he was then ordained as a priest in Castle Franco, which, as you can, as you remember, was the place where he went to grammar school and the place where he really uh, cultivated a lot of the future religious devotion that he had uh, at the cathedral there, which the, the same cathedral he was ordained in. And then the the following day, the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, the the uh, pious went and said his first mass in his home parish uh, back in his hometown of Riese. I, I have no idea. Reese was something like that. I don't know how to pronounce Italian words. And I was, I was reading this one source and it, it, it just happened to men, mention happenstance. And this was before, this was a pre-Vatican II source. 
it just mentioned happenstance how how big of a deal it was that it was the first time that he had touched the host and that just that just made me think that's kind of sad when it comes to an age of communion on the hand that that isn't a thing anymore that um that that sacred duty of being able to to handle the body of our lord isn't something that is is seen as just a a, a very high honor that 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 just kind of stuck out to me i mean i don't i don't uh, i'm not received yet but i don't uh, even when an ang- i was an anglican i received on the tongue so a few days later um da, ja, uh, yeah. a few days later uh pious he received a letter announcing where he would go as a priest his his assignment and the bishop of treviso appointed him to be uh, the curate of Don Antonio Costanti. So apparently everybody's named Don in Italy at this time. This is like the third Don in the story, and they're all priests. And he was a parish priest in Tombolo. So that's all that I have for Pius's young life. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you look out for those future episodes. And uh, make sure you hit just destroy that. Man, I'm stuttering today for some reason. Make sure you destroy that subscribe button, smash that like button, leave some comments, uh, destroy the algorithm so everybody can see how based uh, Pope St. Pius X is. And thank you, and God bless. Glory to God.